Hey, it's Nick Walters again with the National Hemp Growers Cooperatives podcast, the Industrial Hemp Growers Digest, as if that isn't a bunch of words to start off a, a podcast with. So we are tickled slap to death to have some uh, continual really great guests on with us who are movers and shakers and people who care about the industrial hemp industry. Uh, yet again on the podcast with us and Dr. David Suchoff is here from North Carolina State uh, University uh, where he is a an assistant professor and also an extension um, uh, in North Carolina and is um, uh, if you if you're not one of the hemp guru extraordinaires you're about to be one very quickly okay I don't know if you want that moniker or not but I think uh, your reputation starting to precede you so Thanks for joining us. Oh, yeah, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Nick. Absolutely. Well, you know, um, tell us a little bit about you and your background and kind of um, uh, the things you do. I know crop and soil sciences and kind of um, alternative crops is kind of the spot where you find yourself now. But my guess is, you, if I'm guessing you didn't start that way, you maybe kind of ended that way. I don't know or have arrived at that spot. So. Tell us more about that in your background and tell us a little bit about kind of what your hemp aha moment was is when you really started to think more and more about hemp itself. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so I started with my position, this alternative crops position in um, 2020, although um, I actually started working in the Department of Crop and Soil Sciences in 2018. And my, my position when I started in 2018 was organic commodities. So here in North Carolina, um, organic commodities look like uh, organic tobacco, organic sweet potatoes, organic grains. And then um, they developed this alternative crops position, um, which I applied for and was very fortunate to, to obtain. And so I, I work with alternative crops, but I still do some work with uh, organic commodities. Um, now, prior to that, I received both graduate degrees, my, my master's and PhD here in at NC State in horticulture. And so uh, my background is actually in vegetable production. I did a lot of work with watermelon and tomatoes. Okay. Um, now, um, my position with, with alternative crops really is focusing on these new and emerging crops that can fit in North Carolina's row cropping system. So um, what I often tell folks is anything that we can put in rotation with tobacco, right? North Carolina historically has been a very large tobacco producer. It's been a very important crop to our farmers, but that market is declining and, and changing. And so we're seeing a shift in the landscape, both figuratively um, uh, and literally. Um, and so our farmers need these alternative crops to replace tobacco, or at least to start to kind of help diversify those systems. And so my program looks at whatever could fit in rotation. And so hemp was actually a crop that was listed in this position when they first posted it. I'm sorry, it was or was not? It was. Oh, it was. okay. okay. Yeah. Um, so prior to my position, the university didn't really have a go-to for doing hemp research and extension. So what they did is they kind of cobbled together different researchers. So uh, Dr. Angela Post, uh, Dr. Matthew Van, uh, Dr. Keith Edmiston, a number of folks in our department who kind of already have their own responsibilities, but um, agreed to, to do some work with hemp. And, um, you know, it became uh, a, a pretty big responsibility, uh, which was one of the reasons why they developed this position. And so, um, in terms of the types of work that we do, we do a lot of work with hemp. 
um, but we're also doing work with crops like sesame, um, organic sunflowers. Um, we're looking at carrots or, or, or processing carrots, and um, we're doing still some, some work with our organic commodities. So a little bit of organic tobacco work, a little bit of organic sweet potato work, and so on. Um, in terms of my aha moment with hemp, you know, it, I think I have multiple little mini ahas. Um, you know, we we started off pretty heavy with the research and extension in uh, floral hemp, and we did that mainly because that's where the industry was when 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 I first started. You know, we saw most of the acreage was was floral hemp, and um, you know, I guess one of the little aha moments there was that floral hemp fits beautifully in our tobacco production systems, right? Tobacco farmers can grow the crop very well. Um, the, the, the infrastructure is always there, is already there. Um, it, it's almost a one-to-one -one replacement in terms of how they're grown. And, um, you know, as you're probably well aware, as I'm sure your listeners are, the hemp landscape has changed considerably. Um, I could probably count the number of floral hemp farmers in North Carolina in my hand. Um, but we're, we're really seeing a big shift in our state, and I know that we're seeing this in, around the nation too, uh, towards fiber hemp. Um, and, you know, I guess the aha moment there is, is the relative ease of production of that crop once we have found the right genetics for the Southeast and the amount of biomass that it can produce um, and kind of the excitement that we're seeing in our state both from the production side, but the processing and manufacturing side, because North Carolina um, not only is a uh, historic tobacco producing state, it's also a historic textiles state. And so we're seeing um, a lot of interest now from our textile sector in incorporation and use of fiber hemp. And so we're starting to see this kind of development of these circular, circular economies where the crop is being grown in the state, it's being processed in the state, and then that end product is being made in the state, which is uh, a really, really exciting thing to, to start to see develop. Well, you guys have a really, um, you have the infrastructure that would make something like that, particularly in textiles, be something that could be a reality as compared to saying, well, we're gonna go try to pull that off in South Dakota or something. Well, they don't have the infrastructure that you have, I mean, that Wilson School of Textiles right there on campus uh, at NC State, I took a tour of that and I didn't understand two things I saw other than to know I was incredibly impressed to see all of that and how much fiber production and this and that pencil strength and, and color and all of that fits into that textile stuff. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like if you decided that you wanted to be um, uh, uh, as a recreation or a hobby to get into the equestrian business, right? I mean, and wanted to, you better want to get into that game, okay? Because it, it ain't a, it ain't a po' boys game, right? I mean, it's mm -hmm. something that you really got to have all the pieces and parts to go do it. So you want something cheap, pick up tennis, right? I mean, it's not that. So, I mean, it's sort of almost kind of seems that same way to me about textiles. I mean, because that infrastructure is there just on the R and D piece alone, much less the, infrastructure on, on the on the facilities and the spinning and all the rest of that you know, um it really seems like that's right a, a right sweet spot for you not that you're married to that and that's the only thing that you would do but that certainly seems to be like a you know a, the bell cows right yeah i mean it 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 makes sense right when you when you think about the history of the state and and like you said the infrastructure we have 
And, you know, I'll agree with you and I'll, I'll, I'll admit, you know, even though I, I, I went to school here and I've worked here for a bit, my knowledge of what was going on at the College of Textiles was very limited. You know, there was not a lot of overlap there in terms of what I was doing during grad, my graduate degrees and, and even when I first started. And I've been really fortunate that through FiberHemp, I've gotten to engage a lot more with the folks in our College of Textiles and, you know, seeing the same facilities that you saw. And I am just blown away by, you know, the capacity that they have, the types of work that they do there. I mean, it's just so incredible to see, like you said, you know, ev everything from spinning those raw fibers to product development and, and you know, the, the work that the researchers and the students are doing in that College of Textiles is really tremendous. And so, you know, we are really trying to work collaboratively across the colleges. And we're also including the, the College of Natural Resources, who are doing some really interesting work um, looking at how to valorize the herd, right? Because oftentimes we focus a lot on mass production because, you know, at the end of the day, if we're talking about textiles, that's what that's what the, the industry wants. But we're producing tremendous amounts of, of herd, which, you know, to, to the Patagonians of the world is more or less a, a, a waste material. But, you know, there's plenty of, of things that can be done and, and um, uh, made from that product, which... Um, for me, is is also really exciting because that means that farmers can have multiple revenue streams coming off of the same crop. So, um, yeah. you know, we, we're really trying to collaborate across the, the three colleges, CALS, the College of Ag and Life Sciences, College of Natural Resources, and um, uh, the College of Textiles, because, you know, I think for, for us to really help get that industry moving forward, we really need to be doing it in, in a collaborative way. Love it. So it, it um, um, and, and then really getting that not only just the genetics of what what will grow, right, but also where's the sweet spot for harvesting it? I mean, what will it be? I know that we we've heard um, you've heard it certainly a times more than I, but but I heard Guy Carpenter you know speaking not too long ago. But well, no, this is exactly kind of what we want it to look like. We don't want it any you know, more circumference than, our, than your index finger. And we want it kind of this way and not, you know, I mean, having somebody like that and others that you kind of really hone in, but then where's that right spot of getting the growers and the farmers? And that's part of what you're saying as well too. It's not just that, it's this whole supply chain piece. And so it's really interesting to watch and to follow the good things that, that y'all are doing at NC State and, and that, that uh, we can all, um, uh, watch and hopefully maybe participate in right uh, somewhere along the way there. So, you know, one of the things that uh, ways that you and I have been able to interact is through um, what we call FAR, right? Um, uh, the Foundation for Food and Ag Research. And so uh, uh, tell us more about that and tell about the, the um, um, uh, help work that you are leading uh, within FAR. So give us a FAR 101 real quick. Sure, yeah. Well, first of all, we're very happy to have, have you as a member of the, the consortium. And um, this, this well, I guess I should back up a little bit and, and just briefly introduce FAR. As you said, it's the Foundation for Food and Ag Research. So FAR gets its funding uh, from Congress. They get it through the Farm Bill. And FAR uh, funds different grant opportunities. Obviously, these are related to agriculture. Um, and if you were to look at FAR's um, funding programs, it's generally in the realm of kind of these new and emerging crops or, um, you know, 
novel uh, production practices or uh, really kind of when we think about the future of agriculture. And that's that's kind of where FAR um, funds a lot of their research. One of the other things that FAR does is they, they develop consortia. And so they've got different consortia around, um, you know, weed management or water use efficiency and so on. And FAR reached out to um, NC State, Cornell, and the University of Kentucky a little over three years ago saying that, you know, they're interested in developing a consortium around hemp. And the reason they contacted those three universities was that they knew that we were already working collaboratively on hemp research. And um, so they said, you know, this would be a good place to start. And the way that, that FAR um, manages these, these consortia is that they offer um, funding, um, but the funding has to be matched, right? So FAR came to us and said, look, we, are, we want to start this hemp consortium um, and we're willing to put in two and a half million dollars of match, but we need two and a, at least two and a half million dollars of industry match. And so we spent roughly three years meeting with different industry folks, um, you know, NGOs, basically anyone that was uh, associated or affiliated with hemp that may be interested in, in joining the consortium to see if they were interested. And after those three years, we were able to, to find our, our initial founding members uh, and the consortium launched efficient, officially in March of this year, 2022. And so, um, the way the consortium works is that we have now $5 million, right? Two and a half million dollars of, of industry match plus two and a half million dollars of FARS match. And we are using that, those funds to do really highly collaborative research across the three institutions to address a lot of the challenges that um, our members are facing um, when it comes to hemp. And this can really be any aspect of hemp. You know, we've got research right now with floral hemp, we've got research with grain, we've got research with fiber, any aspect of hemp where there may be a challenge, we hope to address it through research. Now, obviously, we can't address every single challenge that faces this industry, but we certainly can be strategic in terms of the types of research that we're doing, where we can best address those, those issues. So uh, I'll give you an example of one project that, that we've been doing in collaboration with Cornell, and that is with Dr. Larry Smart. So uh, Larry is a uh, professor at Cornell. He is a breeder, hemp breeder, and many folks will, will know Larry and his work. Um, and we are working with him as well as International Hemp, who is another one of the consortium um, uh, members, to develop genetics uh, for fiber and grain that are a better fit for the Southeast. Now, you probably are pretty well aware of this uh, coming from the Southeast, but when we take a lot of the fiber varieties that have been bred in Italy and France and Canada, and you try to grow them in North Carolina or Mississippi or wherever, they do not produce, right? They, right. they are not the right fit for this region. And it has to go back to their day length sensitivity and the fact that they were bred in an environment with much longer days. And so we have been really challenged in this region because we just don't have a lot of material that we can grow that would be profitable. And so through this consortium, we are, are, are looking at some of these genetics that Larry has bred um, in the hopes that we can have some domestically produced and domestically available uh, certified seeds um, for the Southeast. So that's just you know one uh, uh, research project that we're doing. Uh, we've got others that are focused on looking at new triploid uh, floral hemp genetics. 
Um, we've got others that are, are simply just doing a literature review right now. So uh, the folks at Kentucky are going to be compiling all of the literature um, and research that's been conducted looking at the use of hemp and hemp products in animal feed. Um, you know, there's this huge push to try and get uh, hemp grain uh, to be allowed uh, as animal feed. And so one of the things that we need to do is to really get a good handle of what's been published because there's a tremendous amount of literature out there from different countries showing, you know, what happens when you feed chickens grain or what happens when you feed cows um, biomass and so on. So, so there's a lot of different research that can be done. Um, but, but as I said, the, the, the main goal of this, this consortium is to really address some of those major challenges. Um, now, one of the really exciting things is that BAR has come back and said that they're willing to put more money into this, this consortium, up to $5 million. Now, the stipulation still exists. We need to get match, right? And so we are still currently meeting with more industry partners. We're also uh, meeting with more um, academic members because we want to have more uh, universities involved across the nation, and we want to have more folks from um, industry involved. The thing I always say when I'm, I'm talking about the consortium is that the strength of the consortium lies in the diversity of its members. Mm. And so we want to get as many folks as ball involved who have any type of uh, touch point with him. Um, so, you know, we are we, we want to talk with uh, folks on the apparel side of things who are um, developing products from fiber hemp or maybe from the, the construction or, or building materials industry or from the, the animal feed industry. Um, really any any touch point um, related to hemp. Um, now, just kind of some of the nitty gritty, um, there's no membership fee. We, we, we don't say you got to put in X amount of dollars to be a member. The money that, that members put in is going to be used for research, right? So it's not, hey, you put in 10,000 bucks and that's just a membership fee, then you got to fund research. Now you put in $10,000, far matches that $10,000 to conduct research. And so when, when our members join, one of the first things we ask them is, what are the areas of research that you're interested in? And then we also try to partner that with our existing members, right, to find where those cross-cutting areas of research are. And the reason for that is we want to maximize that far match. So let's say, for example, um, there's a project that five members are interested in, and five members each put in $10,000, far matches the aggregate. So that's the $50,000 from our industry members plus $50,000 from FAR. So now we have $100,000 to conduct that work. And so that's a 10 to one match on you know, your, in, uh, your, your initial investment. And so we're really trying to do this cross-cutting research, not only because we think it, it, it has the biggest benefit to, to the, the uh, members and the industry, but it's you know, the best way to maximize that farm match. Well, that's the whole reason, if I, if I understood right, um, that's the whole reason that FAR was kind of created in the first place was that that I think this is 2014 farm bill, if I heard correctly on that, uh, members of Congress were were and their staffs were all getting hit up by their their land grant institutions in their in their 1890s saying, hey, we want to research X, we want to research Y. And there started to be all this overlap. So there's not just the money coming from Congress, it's also coordination to make sure that we're not double dipping, we're not now, you know, Let's just say in the cattle industry or something like that. The way that they raise cattle in Oregon is going to be different than they raise cattle in, in, in um, uh, Georgia. And so there certainly would be some differences based off of 
various factors of the way they do it. And so that might take a twist, but it still is not basic stuff like, you know, things that could be repeated through any part of that industry. And so, um, you know, that's a great thing for us, just quite frankly, just from the taxpayer's perspective, to know that we're not double dipping in things and we really are focused in on the things that are going to have some impact. Um, the other thing that one of the reasons that we joined <laughs> and, and of course, our chief agronomist, Dr. Cornett, is our is our point person on all the work that we're doing through that. Um, is is that that we know that that it, it's got a, a use and purpose to it towards the end. It's not research for the sake of producing papers and research just to make everybody feel good to be able to go to a, some symposia and be able to go through some powerpoints, right? I mean, this is real stuff. Like you know, at our first meeting. Uh, in-person meeting, I know one of the things that we talked about was, hey, how do we all define what redding really means? Redding is what of hemp? Well, depends on what your definition of is, right? I mean, what is the, what's the end use going to be? Uh, what What is the temperature like about where you where you are? Do you leave it in the field? Do you drive? I mean, all these things. And so who in the Sam Hill wants to go try to figure that out on their own, right? I mean, why not get all that research put in one slot? And it, it's not going to happen overnight, but but it's 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 moving in a fashion uh, where we all could be a part of it and, and moving forward in a positive direction that helps the industry. So, yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree 100 percent. And, you know, I'm an applied researcher. Right. So I'm not someone that 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 does research for the sake of research or, or publishing papers and, and whatever. Um, the, the goal of my program is to help farmers. Right. What is it that's their challenge and how can we address it through research? And that's what I like about the consortium because as you said, the goal of the consortium is not to do research for research sake. It is to address these major challenges and help the farmers. And really what, what we see this consortium is doing is helping to accelerate this industry forward. Right, right, right. And, and so that's the, uh, and, and you've got the, and FAR actually works with a Kind of a quasi-public-private partnership board as well, too, right? I mean, yes. this is not just folk that hang out at uh, at USDA in the South Building. I mean, these are these are people who are involved in in all different uh, components of agriculture, from academia to private sector to you know uh, that's one of the things that's really out, what we like about it. So. We would love and to encourage anybody and everybody who is in the hemp industry to go really check this out and to learn more about or see how you could participate. You don't have to write some great big old check to join and, and to be in. Um, uh, I think participating, you don't want to join just for kicks and giggles, right? I mean, you want to know that you're going to be a part of the effort that's going on. Um, but but uh, uh, because you are heading up this particular part of the, um, you either drew the short straw, I'm not sure how you got the title or what part of it is you got to be, but but uh, uh, you get to head up this particular um, uh, uh, help work that's going on. So if some folks listening want to learn more about FAR and want to know particularly about the research and the work that is being done, what's the best way for them to learn more about it? Sure. So um, there's a couple ways. You know, first and foremost, I, I always tell people they, they're more than welcome to reach out to me. I, you know, we can set up a meeting and, and just discuss, you know, some of the details or nitty gritty of, of what membership in the consortium looks like. So, um, you know, I can I can give you the email, my email address to, to put in with us. 
Okay. You want me to say it out loud now? Yeah, right, say it right now. I'm going to put it okay, in the so, notes. Okay. Say it right now for those of the listeners. Sure. So my email address is D-H-S-U-C-H-O-F at N-C-S-U dot E-D-U. And so folks can reach me that way. Um, otherwise, if, if they just want to look on their own, if they visit the uh, Foundation for Food and Ag Research, the FFAR website, um, and just search FFAR and hemp, it'll take them right to the website for uh, the consortium. And it's just got kind of a basic outline of what the consortium is, who the members are, and the type of work that we're doing. Um, but as I said, I am more than happy to meet with folks if they are interested, just want to learn a little bit more about the consortium and, and what membership looks like and uh, answer any lingering questions they may have. Outstanding. Well, thank you for being able to do that. You are the technically the, I guess, program contact is what they like to call you. But we, we like to call you our chairman. Okay? Sure. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's easier for us to remember uh, other than actually helping to guide all this. And this is not... I mean, this is a member-driven uh, project, right? I mean, this is a process where somebody says, just like our friends at International Hemp, would come up and go, you know, this is something we really know we have a problem with. And I just interviewed um, Eric Singular just, you know, recently. He's he's in the mix on our podcast here to say, we know that that our Polish varieties will kick tail in Minnesota and Canada and, you know, Vermont, okay? But we don't know how well they're going to do in Georgia and Mississippi and Tennessee and North Carolina. But yet we know that's a huge market for us and, and we want to be able to get into it. So let's all kind of figure that out. And it's really kind of a rising tide lifts all ships, but everybody's got to say so in the direction that the ship goes when that tide rises. So this is not just get in line and do what we in academia tell you to do and hush. That ain't this program. Okay, there may be no, programs like that, but that ain't this one. Okay, so no. that's, that's no. what to be a part of it. Yeah, it's certainly kind of the reverse. You know, we we really want to know what it is that, that their challenges are. What is it that they need from us? And then we come back to our uh, universities and try to figure out who is it that can best address those challenges, right? If it's not me, who at NC State uh, or at Cornell or Kentucky or even other universities can do the work that so that we can ensure that we're able to, to really address that challenge. Love it. It's outstanding. Terrific, terrific. Hey, David, thank you so much for the work that you're doing. Thank you for not only the leadership that you're taking in the farm, but what you're doing at NC State and what you're doing for the industry. You know, so often we have to kind of stop, catch our breath, and remember this whole industry is about four years old, man. And the, the U.S., we, don't, we didn't have the – think about all the things that were developed in cotton and corn and soybeans over the 85 years while we were in Rip Van Winkle mode in the hemp industry, right? I mean, but having folks like you and others on your team that are that are putting shoulder to wheel to make things happen really do make a difference. And, and Thank uh, thanks for the work that you're doing. All oh, no, my, it's my pleasure. You know, I, I like to say that I've lost all my hair because of hemp, but, you know, it's worth it. It's It's been a lot of fun. It's a, it's a real fun crop to work with. And there are a lot of questions that need to be answered, and, and we hope to help out with at least some of it. But um Regardless, thank you, and and I do appreciate the time on the podcast. Absolutely, you know we're try I'm trying to find somebody in the in the flower CBD world that will do some research on uh, male pattern baldness and CBD. You know, I'm ready to buy in. Okay, I'm ready to get some of that to be able to pull that. Yeah, together. wouldn't that be the dream? <laughs> That's exactly right, Dr. David Sutro. 
North Carolina State Extension and other parts of the university, including our chairman of our Hemp Research Consortium at Bar. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. And if you want to learn more about the National Hemp Growers Cooperative and our unique nationwide uh, business model that helps produce wealth for our members through regenerative agriculture and sustainable development, go back and check out our website at nationalhealthcoop.us. Until next time, thanks. This podcast produced and distributed by MWB Studios.